Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop Podcast. I'm Oshin, recording in Limerick in Ireland. And I'm Podrick, recording from Vancouver. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. We finally managed to record a podcast. So I hear you've been uh, considering options for, for Castro on some other platforms. <laughs> and and I also heard from somewhere that you got a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. I'm not sure if these two things are related or not, but... Uh, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I applied to Nintendo to get a development kit so that I could make Castro for a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Why the hell not, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any apps on the Switch store. There isn't even like a Netflix app as far as I can tell. So there's really no apps at all so it was probably a doomed enterprise from the start but oh i was going to say i thought that that would mean they would be like very excited about having some podcasts on finally someone wants to make an app for us (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i don't think there's like a background capability or anything where you could like have a podcast playing in the background as you play a game what was the process like though i would think i never would have even when i think of nintendo or like some of these like more closed platforms i never would have even considered even as a remote possibility but like was it a like difficult thing to do or how do you go about like asking for stuff like that i logged into their website to try and find out how to get development access to it and eventually after some searching i found a tweet where some nintendo representative gives an email address that you're supposed to email if you want access so i sent them an email asking you know, just outlining the basics, saying, we have a podcast app on iOS, it's pretty good, can I put it on Nintendo Switch? And they wrote back saying, you have to send us, like, details of your pitch and some information about your team. So yeah, I just sent them a few details, and I actually sent that YouTube video that you made for Castro 2, just as the, like, here's what Castro 2 looks like on an iPhone. Oh, no wonder they said no then, it was based on that video. (laughs) (laughs) Just on the basis that I wasn't going to design the whole app before I got a yes or no from them especially since it was such a weird idea in the first place so i just sent that along it was not the most honest effort in terms of an application process <laughs> uh, and then didn't hear anything for a week so i wrote back saying so how's it going is uh, are you going to prove me or what <laughs> i mean it was kind of liberating in a way not caring that much about a thing like this because normally like with apple if we were asking to be featured or something i'd be nervous about you know annoying them or anything like that So it was kind of fun to just be like, I'm a busy business person who expects an email answer the same day. (laughs) But then they wrote back saying, oh, yeah, sorry, we haven't got back to you. Uh, We'll get back to you by Friday. I was pretty excited then that they were actually going to say yes, given that they weren't just telling me to get lost from the first second. Uh, But then they did tell me to get lost pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're not going to be playing uh, podcasts on your your Switch, is there anything else you can do with it? Like or... (laughs) <laughs> I didn't actually set out to get a Switch. My wife bought me one for Christmas and I, I hadn't asked for it or anything like that. I think I probably would have got one eventually, but I just wasn't in any hurry. I was happy enough to wait and just get it later. But I really like it. Okay, I don't want to start talking about all the games because that's been covered in more detail by people who are much more interested and qualified to talk about games than I am. But the thing itself, like the small details about like a device that just does a single thing pretty well are like really pleasing. Like it just turns on instantly. Like if I've been playing a game at night, I turn it off. I well, I put it on sleep mode. And then if I want to play again, I just take it out and like press one button and it's on and I'm playing it again. And there's no loading or anything. It's just like, it's like you unlock your iPhone, except there's no face ID or, or code to type in or anything like that. It's just actually there instantly. And that's such a small sounding thing, but it means that like, if I have 10, 15 minutes, I'll actually pick it up and play it. Where say an Xbox, if I turn on my Xbox, I know without a doubt, there's going to be a two gigabyte update, which will take 40 minutes to install. And then I'll browse around for a game. And then like 30 minutes will be gone before I've even started anything. 
so I don't even touch it. But the switch, I just pick it up, play it for a few minutes, and then equally, I'm happy enough to put it down when something else is happening. Obviously, the game has the games all have to be there and have to be good and everything. But like outside of that, just that feature really stands out to me. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how my, my brother got me a Kindle for Christmas. It's actually my, like my first ever Kindle. Last year, I was kind of realizing that I wasn't reading enough and I really wanted to be reading more. And I wanted to read on a device that like the only thing I could do on it was read, basically. Um, and so I figured, OK, maybe it's like time to like have a Kindle and just have something where like I put away my iPad or put away my phone and just, you know, read some words off a off an electronic page for for an hour or for 20 minutes before I go asleep or something. And I mean, I had used like the Kindle app on iPad before and I had read some stuff there, but like I have like such a ridiculous attention span that I would start reading a book and then before I know it, I'm like responding to tweets or getting angry because somebody is wrong on the internet or whatever. And I <laughs> completely, completely forget that I was even reading a book in the first place. So, but it's nice to have to have the Kindle for that just in terms of just as one thing and Maybe it's both of us have been trying to find ways to focus on different things for through our Christmas gifts. Yeah, I love my Kindle for the same reasons. It's funny too, like Nintendo and Amazon are not amazing at hardware design. The Switch is probably the nicest Nintendo thing that they've made, but it's still like a long way from how great Apple are at, at it. But it's just, I think being a focused single use thing really has some magic to it. Like I actually feel emotionally into my Kindle. I like it a lot and the Switch thing too. One other thing on the Switch is that the games on the store are like, well, in Canadian dollars, they end up being $90 each, like 60 or 70 US. Uh, even like the cheaper indie ones that have come out on other platforms before are like 15 or 20. That made me kind of wistful for a store that uh, charges proper prices for software. Ah, no wonder you wanted Castro on the Nintendo Switch then. Yeah. It's all starting to make sense now. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining like, Castro for Nintendo Switch, which, as I admitted, would be kind of a weird app because you couldn't play it in the background or anything like that. And it would be like $40. Not that I had any delusions that that would be successful. I'm sure we'd sell like five copies, but... Come on, you must have had at least one delusion. Okay, yeah. Well, no, I had a a lot of delusions, but they were delusions. That's what I should have said. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I guess then Castro 3 will be $40 for iOS. We'll just drop <laughs> drop the switch part, but just hang on to the forty dollars, and we we can do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Maybe we should talk a little bit about um, about our plans for Castro this year, and since it's the first episode of the of the year, even if it's nearly the end of January, we will be releasing a new major version of Castro this year, and. We're going to have to revisit and rethink about like some of the our plans kind of around revenue and about how like we charge for the app and we can go into some details of that here and like the reasons for that and stuff like that. I guess in this episode at least we won't go probably too deep into the features of the app, but maybe it's a good time to just at least talk about revenue and how we want to approach that and try to make sure that we can keep this or get this back to being a sustainable business again. I guess part of the intro to this is like from previous episodes. I think it's quite a while ago since we mentioned the the doom clock. It might even be over a year since we mentioned it. Yeah, David Smith mentioned that doom clock on Under the Radar uh, last week, I think. And yeah, that got it back into our minds, I think. The basic idea of it is that we have a spreadsheet where we, we know roughly what our how much money we need to make in the year and we divide that across how many days there are in the year and that's the target revenue basically so obviously it's supposed to just average out um so some days will be greater and some days will be less 
It's been useful because it helps us not get too hung up on like if there's four days in a row where sales are terrible because we can see the projection that that doom clock makes tells us, okay, well, you're not going to go out of business for another eight months, even if revenue continues at this level. So it's, it kind of eases off the curves. And, and on the other side, when things are, go really well, we can see that, okay, well, you've bought yourself a little bit of extra time for you know a rainy day. Yeah, we haven't talked about it too much on our podcast since, and we also haven't looked at it too much ourselves, I think mainly because it's been in rough shape for the last couple of months. Yeah, I think we knew instinctively kind of what was going on that we didn't need to look too closely at it. I guess for a while, I mean, just to be like pretty... Uh, bluntly honest about it, I mean, like the revenue from from Castro and from our other apps when we had it has been below our expectations of where we were wanting things to be to keep the the business sustainable long term. I think even just if we were based like solely off that revenue, I think uh, we would have we would have run out of money um, a little while ago, probably before Christmas sometime. Um, the reason why we're able to keep going at the moment and why we are still going is, as we've discussed before as well, we sold off our previous apps. So that gave us some breathing room. And also earlier last year, we did some contract work for a couple of months for a company here in Dublin. So that gave us a little bit of, of breathing room as well and gives us a little bit of, of revenue in our bank account at the moment to keep us going but what selling all those other apps means as well is that like now we have Castro that's all that we have um, and we ideally would like to avoid going back to doing more contract work again so Castro is where our all our eggs are focused all our eggs are focused that is a really interesting uh, mix of metaphors there but all our eggs are in the Castro basket now and within the next few months we need to launch a new version of Castro and we need to have a plan for how we hope to change up the shape of the of the revenue curve and and keep it sustainable yeah we we don't want to be here again next year we want to finally solve this problem and then be able to just just do features so in terms of then like what our options are one of the first options is like to release a new version of castro that is a new paid app which is basically what we did for for castro 2 but as you said if we if we were to go and do that then we are back here at the same place in a year more or less yeah and there are other reasons beyond the unsustainability of it why making releasing a new app is not really that desirable for us like we end up having to support or at least answer support email for that app forever like we still once in a while get an email from someone who has castro one who says hey man i paid (laughs) and that was like a very long time ago maybe three years now that you paid so but people have that expectation uh the app it doesn't stay on the store so even if you wanted to update it you can't without having without having like two copies of Castro on the store. If you do that, people will buy the wrong one. It's also really hard to get people to move, even if the features are better. As I said, there are still people using Castro 1 who just realized that Castro 2 exists. And then you end up starting again from zero users from the perspective of App Store search and like Google and all kinds of places like that. I don't have solid a solid grasp of how that matters exactly, but I'm superstitious that it matters a lot. Well, you've no reviews as well, for example. So like on, in the early days when people are coming to the store to look at it, you don't have a star rating yet. They don't get to see what other users have, like, have thought of the app, even if it was from a previous version. At least the visibility of or like how your app looks on the store, I think like it just looks it looks brand new because it's like, oh, not enough ratings yet and all that kind of stuff. So you lose some of the like the appearance of like, oh, this is like an established trusted app. 
You also have no way to give people who bought a previous version a discount. Yeah, that would have to be a free app because you'd have to like, yeah, and maybe do something like we did with Unread. Just to give some background in Unread, we did like a URL scheme handshake. So when you opened Unread and clicked unlock, it could check if the other app was installed and then jump into it to get like a secret code and redirect back that would let you unlock a free in-app purchase. And once the free in-app purchase was unlocked, then you just had that new app forever. So you no longer needed to keep the old one around. And then, yeah, the other thing is like, I think we want to keep building up our user base one way or another. And starting again from zero feels like going back in time a little bit. Okay, so I think that conclusively explains why a new paid app is not going to be the way we go with Castro 3. The next option kind of on the table and one which I think is one that we kind of figured was going to be the way we were going to go for for a good while was to basically switch the app to free so new users will be able to download the app for free and try it out but to put a paywall and have new features that are being introduced in Castro 3 uh, to require an in-app purchase and when we discussed this idea last year and when we were like pretty sure this is the way we were going to go we talked about the way that we could do this and that we could also kind of fold in some of the features that are already available in Castro 2 could also be put behind this this paywall so that essentially a new user who downloads it for free has a more limited version than what an old user has who paid for Castro 2. They would then unlock Castro 3 to get all the features of Castro 2 and Castro 3 for one price, like let's just say, for example, say if it was $5, but a user who already has Castro 2 and so who has paid for that, they wouldn't lose any of the features that they already had, um, but they would have kind of a smaller number of new features that would be behind a paywall and because that's a smaller number of features and also as a reward essentially for like having bought and used Castro 2 for so long, the way that we would achieve upgrade pricing is essentially that we would offer a cheaper in-app purchase to those users. So they would get the other new features uh, for like a lower amount of an, of an in-app purchase. And I remember feeling like really good about that for a while because it felt like it was a good way of getting upgrade pricing. It was a good way of not punishing users who might have like downloaded the app the day before it switched to free because at least they would still have these features and things like that. Um, and it just seemed like a pretty sensible way of introducing the new features that we want in Castro 3. But also managing to have new revenue from like existing users and and a way to get new revenue from like new users who would hopefully then be more willing to try out the app since it was now free to download from the app store. That was a good explanation of that process. I'm trying to take it down now so that we can defend the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, there actually is not all that much wrong. There's only one thing I can think of that's wrong with it. <laughs> The big drawback with that is then still the original problem of in a year's time, here we are again. Exactly. Where maybe we've done even better than Castro 2 did in the first uh, year and a half or two years. But now we're back to a point where we have to come up with some new, either a new business model or another big set of features that we can add a separate in-app purchase for or a bigger one or something. The biggest reason I don't want to do that is because we can't charge a lot of money for that in-app purchase. Like if we could charge... $20 or something for it. And then we know, okay, someone might use the app for three or four years. They've paid us $20. So that's good. We're, you know, for the number of users we guess that will work. But I don't think we could charge more than five, say, for that in a purchase. It would look too weird if it was like $10 or $15 or something, right? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I always imagined that it would be like, yeah, about the same price as, as what we charge for the app now. 
Like, so at cost was $5 at the moment. So I guess in that world, I always imagined $5 for the complete in-app purchase if you got the app for free. But say if you were a Castro 2 user, maybe your upgrade price would be, I guess, $3. I think that would work and I think people would like it. But yeah, January 2019 would also be a difficult month where we're trying to figure this stuff out instead of like, what are the exciting features we can add? I'd really like to just do one more transition of business model and be at the one that if it works, it'll work forever. (laughs) And if it doesn't work, then fine, we tried. Yeah, because I know like even when we discussed that idea and even when I was like 95% sure that's what we were going to do, I still had in mind like in 2019, maybe we can consider subscription because I think maybe we're just not ready to do it yet or maybe people aren't ready to deal with subscriptions now, but by some miracle by 2019, that's all going to have changed. Kind of fear of re really considering subscription and wondering if if that's the way to really go even right now but ultimately I knew we like I was just putting off like making that decision and putting off approaching the idea of doing that like for a long time and then it felt in the end like we can't really afford to like keep putting these things off if Apple is saying that like this is the approach that they think should work long term for like instead of like upgrade pricing and things like that maybe it's time for us to like really consider trying it out and like if this is like the ecosystem that we're working on and this is the the model that apple is like is suggesting and that like some other apps are using successfully that maybe it's time for us to figure out is there a way that we can make that work for us if we were on the nintendo switch we'd try to charge 40 dollars and maybe we'd get laughed at but we'd do it i think but we're not there we're in ios so we're going to try and do subscription but we haven't actually outlined what we mean by subscription i guess it's obvious enough but let's just explain it sure yeah we we touched on it in the previous episode i think in a way of saying like we're definitely not doing it <laughs> yeah and then we changed our minds very quickly <laughs> Then Alan Pike said something to us, I think. Well, we released... Okay, this is our Alan Pike segment. Oshin was in Vancouver a couple of months ago, and we had our customary beer with Alan, where we talked to him about Castro business, and he tells us something we should do, and we don't do it. But I don't think that happened this time. No, this time he told us something that he figured we were thinking about doing based on hearing our podcast. Where we denied that we were going to do that thing. And then we slowly realized that maybe we were actually already talking ourselves into doing it, but we needed Alan to tell us that we were before we really, it clicked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that happened. But yeah, the idea is very like what Ashin outlined for the free with an app purchase version, but instead of an app purchase, it's a subscription. Uh, So instead of paying $5 once, it's $5 a year. And then that same deal, if you've already bought Castro before, you don't lose any features. Uh, If you're brand new to us, then it'll be a more limited free app. Yeah, so the idea is essentially, like just right now, embrace the idea and like be honest with people about the idea that you giving us $5 this year uh, is not going to be enough to like keep this app going forever. We're going to need $5 off you next year as well. And we may as well established that that agreement with you like right now just because i mean like why like why keep holding back and why like why try to pretend that we're giving you something forever when we're not going to be able to unless enough people are like are willing and able to support and pay for the software recurringly at the start we were talking about kindles and nintendo switches being good devices because they are they have one purpose and they're very good at that one purpose and they optimize for it and i think we've always wanted to make a similar kind of thing whether we're making a podcast app or whatever we're doing i think that's always been my inclination at least is to try and make pick some slightly off the beaten track feature set and then do the hell out of it and hopefully get a bit of a following 
Like, I still, even, even now, I don't think we're trying to convince everyone that Caster was the only podcast app anyone should use. I don't think that's our pitch. I think we're trying to be like a power user app. I definitely don't ever try to convince anybody I meet in real life, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think we're we're trying to do, I, I guess, niche is the, the word that is used in business circles for this kind of thing, a niche product. That means we don't have 2 million users who are all going to pay us 2 cents each and have it work out. It means we'll have a smaller number of users who have to pay more for it to work. So on our side, that means we have to make something that's valuable enough to be worth paying for, obviously. But on the other side of the equation, customers then have to pony up and pay for it. Like I said with the in-app purchase one, if we could charge $20 or something that would be kind of more attractive and we could do the software upgrade model where we make a lot of money off upgrade pricing and then keep going for 18 months or two years and then do the same thing with the new set of features. Plus, since that isn't an option here, we need to be able to get more money for what we're doing because we don't have as wide a base of people to pay for it. Another point you were touching on was there's some honesty in admitting this up front uh, not just in this podcast, which not every single user of Castro listens to. We should fix that. We're going to subscribe every user. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I think in the pricing model, right in front of anyone who just downloads the app, that'll now be honest. It'll say, it's $5 a year. That's how much it costs. We're not implying that you just have bought an app forever and going to have to trick you later on into buying something else in order to make anything work. We're like being straight up front here's how much it costs if you want Castro to exist. When we started framing it that way and talking about it that way, like between ourselves is when it really clicked with me. I think that, yeah, even though I do have fears about this model and I do have like, of course, like we're never sure what's going to work. And like, we're always like not super tense or anything, but I mean, it's not like we're sitting back and we're like, oh yeah, this is all like, we're just like coasting and like, just let's figure out some other way to get like more money. I mean, this is like us basically trying new things to be like, we really want to keep doing this. We really want this app that we make uh, to continue being available for like the people that love it and the people who send us emails telling us like how happy they are with it. So, I mean, this is us doing everything we can, even the scary parts to be like, we need to try this. Let's make this work. And there's something about this that feels like this is like the natural next step, I think, for us to take, even though it is still a bit scary. I think it could be interesting to figure out where we draw the line between the free features and the subscription features. Like in Overcast, for example, I think Marco has drawn that line very close to giving most features away for free. And then there are one or two things behind the, behind the paywall. Turning off the ads could be a big thing for people. So it's not like they're small things. It's just there aren't that many of them. When we talk about it, I think we're drawing the line much more in the middle between like you get a base useful podcast player app for free. And then if you want to turn on the power features, then you pay us. One way that we have uh, like discussed it before among ourselves is the idea of that like in the free version of the app, like we want all the users of the free version like to get a good taste of like what is unique about this app as in like the like the triage features and like the layout and the, like the flow and like the way that the app works the things that are unique to Castro among podcast apps um and the different ways that it like facilitates listening to podcasts that we want everyone to be able to get an idea of that so that like any u- users of Apple podcasts or Overcast or Pocketcasts or any of the other apps there's like no barrier to them anymore coming over and saying like, what is different about this Castro app? I've heard about it before, but it was always $5 and I don't know if I want to 
pony up five dollars to try it out that they can come over and then they quickly get an idea of okay what is what is unique about this and then if that works for them that then it's like okay yeah but what about like does it also have like all these other things that i expect because like i'm really into podcasts and i want like x y and z and it's like yeah no it has those things but like if you want to use it like fully and completely as like your like main podcast app those are the things that you pay for it seems there's something counterintuitive but something that also makes sense where it's like okay give away the stuff that's unique and like charge for the stuff that everybody already has um i'm not I'd like to, maybe we should talk to like a real business person. <laughs> yeah. No, that does seem really counterintuitive, but it seems it's convincing, definitely. Like Curtis Herbert mentioned that thing that like, if you have a free app, you control more of the sales process inside your app rather than it being at the whims of the app store and Google and, you know, all that stuff. You do, we don't have to have sold the app entirely to someone before we're completely in control of their experience once it's free. So that'll be a cool thing, I think, that like you can just try Castro for free and then you'll load it up and you'll see how much care and attention and polish there is in the animations and the workflow and all that stuff. And that can all happen as part of convincing you to buy it rather than as a big reward for taking the plunge and trusting us that it was good. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be good to have more users be able to to be able to see that. And hopefully we can find good ways to convince them to um, pass over their money too. Yeah. And then on the other side of, if you move that line of features between free, like everything for free and lots of things paid, all the way to just give everyone everything and then have a subscription that's only for fans to use. That idea has been kicking around again. I think there was another blog post about it recently that I saw mentioned in iOS Dev Weekly. We can link it in the show notes. I don't remember who wrote it at the moment. And it was arguing for the idea of patronage again. Patronage came up about three years ago in a big way when Overcast went that way. I think, well, the fact that Overcast doesn't do that anymore is maybe all we need to say about it, but I have a bunch of small emotional problems with the idea of patronage that make me really not want to do it. Even the awkward positioning of explaining to someone who has no intention of being a patron what you're doing, like they see, oh, there's a subscription. If I subscribe, what do I get? Uh, well, you kind of like, you support indie software, man. I don't like having to make that explanation. If someone's already excited by what we do and wants to get a subscription, even though they don't want the features that are behind it, that's cool. That's great. I'm happy with that. But I don't want to have to justify it on on those terms alone. Yeah, we tried out patronage as well in, in Castro 1 for a while before we launched Castro 2. It was at a time before recurring subscriptions, so they were just like once-off uh, payments um, and then it would display like the, the expiration date in the app and maybe you would hope that once your patrons uh, patronage expired that they would consider like supporting you again but one thing about that system i mean we did get a bunch of our biggest fans did like when we launched that feature they did like become patrons in the in the first month and some of them became patrons for multiple months or even for a year or longer but because they were giving us money not for like features in particular but just because like they liked us or they wanted to like support the app Longer term, it didn't give me any confidence that those subscriptions that we saw come in uh, on the month that we launched it, for example, that they were going to recur like at the point when they when they expired, that we could begin to think in terms of like how many monthly patrons do we have at the moment rather than just how much revenue are we making each and every day. Um, whereas when we talk about like this subscription model for Castro Tree and beyond, 
what I hope it can get us to is a point where we can think in terms of like what is our current like monthly active subscriber count and how is that moving over time uh, rather than just like each day what did we make this date it's like okay in in January we had x thousand active uh, paying members in February we have this many in March this many and like to look at that as a metric and like make sure that like we're keeping that moving like at a at a healthy pace either staying steady at a point where we're happy with it or or even like growing to the point where okay some people are falling off each month but we're getting on enough enough new users to to make up for the ones who have left that month rather than every month just thinking about the overall revenue that's come in that month like think of in terms of active users um which I think hopefully if we can get there, like put us in a position where like we feel more comfortable projecting how the company is going to be doing in six months or in a year or in two years, uh, rather than it like being week to week or month to month as as it has been for the for the past while. Yeah. I, I met up with someone who's running a podcast startup recently. Um I, I won't talk about it just yet, but sometime I will. Um they're doing some interesting stuff. And she asked me how many active users we have. And I had to look it up because that's such an irrelevant number to us normally. It's not completely irrelevant. I guess it's an indication of if we released an in-app purchase app, then we could maybe figure out some percentage of those will definitely buy it. And then we can predict some stuff off that. But it'll be it'll be pretty amazing to have that. As that grows each month, we get more sustainable instead of, well, here's a list of people who bought the app in the past and are still using it. And they're almost bad. They're costing us money. We have to have servers for them. <laughs> like, it'll be good to have that number be good. <laughs> Obviously, there will still always be a focus on on gaining new users. But I love the idea of it not being, like, the primary thing or not, like, the only thing that keeps the business going. I mean, like... Yeah, we'll f- finally be incentivized to keep current users happy, which has never been the case for a paid iOS app. I would like to answer our support email in a timely fashion. Anytime I do that, I feel good about it, but it's a bad thing to do from a business point of view for us because it's just, it's mostly wasted time. I would definitely like to hire somebody to answer our support email in a timely fashion. (laughs) (laughs) One thing at a time, I guess. (laughs) So one of the questions that, that has come up a bit since we've decided that this subscription model is the right idea is how many features do we have to have behind the subscription wall before we can launch it? Because there are some real benefits to releasing this as soon as we can. A big thing that keeps coming up in my mind is as soon as we have this subscription model, we can start releasing every like three to six weeks some extra new feature that makes the subscription even more valuable. And that way we're not building up this huge code base that only us and a few beta testers have ever used. Instead, it's like we get to release things often. If there's problems with them, we find out immediately and we can fix them uh, instead of like one big ball of code landing at once, which makes me nervous now. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's a road that we went down with Castro 2, where we worked on it for pretty much close to two years before we released it. And last year, I guess when we started planning out Castro 3, we do have a a long list of things that we want to get in there. Um, And with the once off in our purchase model, I remember thinking, okay, yeah, we should get like as many of these things done before like we launch at all as in like 
at the time of launch we want to have as much stuff there as possible we want the the thing to be as complete as possible for the pitch to be as as enticing as possible but when it comes around to the recurring revenue idea i mean i think it starts to make a lot more sense for us to to get a castro tree or whatever version it's going to be called to get that add that out there as soon as we have like at least a compelling enough argument for why this there is now a subscription in the app um, you asked a question on Twitter at one stage about like, should an app like switch to a subscription model like without even any new features in it at all, like immediately, or like should it wait until it has like has features like behind the subscription thing? And I think you got a few interesting responses to that. Yeah, I did get a few good responses. Um, Joe Chaplinsky replied suggesting that we get the subscription feature in there, but like just have it kind of buried in settings initially until there's a good pitch for it which is kind of interesting, but I still feel that when someone finds it who isn't ready to do it, I don't want to have to explain that it doesn't do anything yet. Uh, Marco sent a chart of his uh, subscription rate among monthly active users before and after the subscription paywall included any compelling features. I'm not sure this was his point, but the first thing that jumped out to me was that the rate was at 6% of uh, active users before it had compelling features behind that, which is... I guess it all depends on what the overall numbers are, but it's maybe higher than I would have guessed even. And then when he did add the compelling features, it looks like it jumped up to about 10 or 11%. So most of most of it is explained by people who just wanted to do patronage, right? Like at least half um, because he had the 6% initially. Uh, so maybe there is some argument to it. Now, Overcast has a pretty small number of features behind that paywall. It's file uploads and uh, you can change the icon, I think. Oh, and then finally you can turn off ads, which I think is a pretty huge feature in general. Like in an average app, turning off the ads is something I would always pay for. But in Overcast, the ads really aren't that bad. So if you give yourself time to see them, they're probably not going to bother you as much as you expect them to. I think I remember him mentioned on ATP or somewhere at some point that like that when he did introduce the, like the ads and the and the ability to remove them, that, that that was like a much bigger jump in, in the percentage of of subscribers than than even for like those other features earlier on because there's an almost like apple fan cultural hatred of ads right even in concept not necessarily just the irritation of seeing them so i could see a lot of people just turning them off even regardless of whether they annoyed them just because they are in principle against them or something yeah totally it was an interesting conversation i was glad that a few people jumped in on it anyway but i think where i ended up was we have to have a few compelling features there before we can launch subscription and it definitely doesn't have to be everything that we hoped and dreamed of for 3.0, but it, it should be enough to make it clear what the value is. Uh, another cool thing about like launching 3.0 with a few compelling subscription features is that we can then offer a particular subscription level then where users who jump in and subscribe at that point can stay on that price level as long as they stay subscribers, even as we raise the price in future. So say, just to pick numbers, say it's $5 on day one, then like over the next year we add features every few months and bring that up to like 10 or 12 or something. I don't know whether we do it very incrementally and keep like beating the drum about like, oh, you better get in now before it goes up again, or if we just do it in like two steps or something. But I really like that idea of rewarding people and, you know, at the same time, locking them into a lower price so that they stay subscribers like there's less incentive to just cancel your subscription if you stop using the app for a week, if you think you might come back in a while. 
Yeah, there's two things I think that are very interesting about that. And one of them is in terms of like more gradually changing the price. Um, Like some of the backlash against subscriptions in the past has been, I think, caused by the fact that like not just did an app switch from paid or like one off payment like to subscription, but like also that in like one foul sweep, it also like doubled its price or tripled its price or something. So when like we initially started talking about moving to subscription, I always was compelled by the idea of, okay, well, like let's we can switch to subscription, but let's try to like keep the price pretty much like around about like a similar level to where it was. But in terms of what we talked about as well, about like wanting like to have more like of a niche product and with like a smaller number of users who like we keep like very satisfied over a longer amount of time. Yeah, like it's definitely compelling to like consider like is there a way for us to get to a higher price point over time? Um, And the idea of doing that as we're adding new features over time, I think makes a lot of sense and it makes a lot more sense to me than say, for example, something like like a launch sale, for example, where you launch a product and you say today or for the first week it's going to be 50% off or whatever. Because in a context like that, you're saying it is only worth like half the price because we're willing to sell it to you for half the price. Whereas if we're saying like, yeah, we think it's worth this right now, but over time we're going to make it better and we think we're going to make it be worth more over time. Um, I think it makes sense. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. And we can get we can figure out the details of how we manage those incremental things. And I also like assuming that we do have compelling features coming out every like six weeks or two months or whatever. I really like that there'd be like regular reasons for people to talk about the app rather than just one giant splash. I've said before that I think that when you're selling a paid app, the first week or month of sales has to be absolutely huge because that's going to be 50 or 60% of the total sales you make that year. So if if that number isn't big, then you can pretty much say after a month, uh, this isn't working out, even if, even if you've just been handed $20,000 or something. But I really like the idea that we no longer would have to have this gigantic mega launch uh, in order to have any success because each user we added would be like ongoing revenue. I guess it doesn't come without like some downsides or, or risks at least. We've touched on some of them, but it's probably good to like just have like one concentrated area where we like really tear ourselves to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> the balance between like the paid and free features, I mean I know yeah, we we definitely went back and forth on some of that like earlier on in the discussion. Um I think one extra point there is that if like if you have lots of features behind the paywall, which I'm leaning towards and everything that we've discussed seems to indicate that that's the way we will be, like the messaging for that becomes difficult. And there's also, we need to think about like kind of distinct messaging as well for, okay, a new user who's like just completely come to Castro and this is the first time they've ever used the app versus as well like Castro 2 users who we're hoping to convince to like now become subscribers. Yeah, so I do worry a bit, like I wonder like if we have, if we have tons of features like behind a paywall does that become more difficult to communicate to people free also means our servers have to work for like five to ten times the number of users which is kind of intimidating but i guess we'll figure it out um just turn up the dial yeah i'll turn up that dial that will do it (laughs) (laughs) so i've actually been spending a lot of this week and last week trying to assess the utilization of our current servers because everything's working great now but it's really hard to know clearly where the breaking point is before you hit it (laughs) so yeah that's what i'm working on at the moment anyway i won't go into that too much i mean the other big downside is this idea of subscription fatigue or subscription overload that I see mentioned a lot that like every app's going to subscription uh, it's annoying to have loads of ongoing subscriptions because you're spending money constantly and that that feels kind of crappy I've come to a place where I just don't really see that as my problem anymore as the developer even that it's just like this is the way this ecosystem works 
no other model seems to be working well for anyone. There are exceptions, but like generally overall paid apps don't work out very well. And even in app purchase has the limitation of only working for a set amount of time. Um, so I don't know, I'm starting to hear like paying for stuff fatigue or like paying for stuff overload because this is the only way we can actually try to make it work. So I, I don't know. I think people will be annoyed about it and it's it's worth keeping in mind that maybe that will be a, a barrier and we should expect some complaints about that idea. But I also don't think any of those are strong enough reasons not to just go ahead. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like just pissing people off and then being angry, I mean, I guess bring it on like i'm ready get annoyed at us <laughs> um we are no in fairness though we are going to do stuff to try to like alleviate that like we're not going to take features away from anyone castro 2 users will have all those features and even if they don't upgrade to like to pay the subscription because it's the same app um and because we're going to like keep maintaining it like they will also then still have the benefit of like any design improvements we make on over time or like bug fixes and stuff like that they're going to continue to get those things because it's the same app in the app store yeah totally um, in terms of like whether we can convince them to become subscribers, we need to work on that and we need to hope we can. And I think it just comes back to basically like we're not doing this because we're like greedy and we just want to make like tons more money because we already make so much money, but we just need more, more, more. Of it. <laughs> I mean, it's like I don't also don't expect that like to completely convince people. I mean, I hope it'll convince some people. Hopefully, you lovely dear listeners of this podcast will be convinced by, by that at least. Um, but like, it's at a point now where we just we're gonna have to. We just got to do it. We got to do it. This is the way. This is the way. And I think there's not too much more I can say about it right now. Yeah, that's or onwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, that was fun. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to us talk about the ways that we're going to try and make money for the next few years of our lives um we'll be back soon with more news from super top and ashin will be in vancouver oh i will be in vancouver very soon so we can record together again cool all right take care